This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Hi, I'm Phil Donahue. And I'm Marlo Thomas. And we're going on a series of double dates to find out... What makes a marriage last? We were excited for our visit with Neil Patrick Harris and David Burka. I mean, I certainly was. Until I got the flu. Yeah, that was really too bad. But we couldn't have brought that along on our date. So off you went... Uptown without me. It was such a shame. You would have loved their house. It's a big, old, beautiful brownstone. You have to go up practically 20 steps to get to the front door. And it has quite a history. So how old is the house? 1905. Wow. It had been everything from a speakeasy for mill workers to a music school for girls to a single-person occupancy. And when I you think f- it was a brothel. No, it wasn't. That's just wishful thinking. <laughs> I began to wonder, where in this five-story house would we have our talk? So who's the decorator? David has better taste than I do. So if we ever have disagreements about uh, interiors, it usually comes from a financial standpoint. Uh-huh. In that I, I tend to say, dude, we have <laughs> dogs and two small children. We Can don't we... need a $40 billion rug. <laughs> so you're the sort of... Decorator, and you're the accountant. Then they led me into their red velvet screening room with rows of cushy theater seats, just like in old Hollywood. What a fitting place to chat with these two actors. What kind of marriages did your parents have? My parents were together until my mom passed away 11 years ago. And, and your parents? My parents are still married, and they've celebrated 50-plus years of marriage. So they've always been only together with each other. So because you were gay, did you think you wouldn't have that? I thought that I was going to be alone or single for most of my adult life. But I, I also had a random path from adolescence into adulthood because I ended up being on a television show when I was 15 years old. And so all pre-puberty, through puberty... When you're figuring out what turns you on, I was I felt a bit under a microscope of television. And so I didn't have the freedom to randomly hit on somebody or go to a bar. So I was by myself a lot and had a fantastic group of friends in Los Angeles who knew everything about me. But I just I just wasn't dating. I had never even showered with another person until I was in my late 20s. So it was all like new to me. And what about you, David? I, you know, I didn't know what I wanted until sort of I got into a college. And then after college, living in New York, I, you know, I saw lots of different relationships and men having babies already and having a family. So I I always knew that I was going to settle down and be with someone and stay with someone and have a family and kids. 
once we started dating, we never really stopped. So we didn't mm -hmm. date lots of people while we were dating each other and then decide. We just started dating, moved in together, and we've been together ever since. Same-sex marriage wasn't uh, legal at right. that time. And, and it seemed like pot a potential, but not an inevitability. And so we were more conscientious of, of what wording we use to call right. each other. I just didn't like the word partner. Right. For some reason, I just I still think that's a very strange way it is to strange way. It, it, it eliminates then, any sense of and then lover, romance. gay lover, lover sounds only soft, romantic, like you're just cool. humping. It also sounds a little invasive of your life. Yeah, that's right. my lover, dude. Very 80s. And then boyfriend sounded very juvenile. But boyfriend sounded like we're maybe I was we're, 40 calling Phil my boyfriend, and it seemed ridiculous. Adorable. Right, it seems like it's short lived. <laughs> like we just met. Yeah. <laughs> once you've been together for years, so I just said better half, and then, and then once the marriage thing happened. It happened very quickly, but we didn't want to get married because it was suddenly allowed to get married. Right. We wanted to get married to get because we wanted to get but married. But you were already in a committed relationship. Correct. Yes. And that was and did and you we had kids. Yeah, I just didn't want to go to the courthouse with a with a, a hundred other people and people holding up signs and other people picketing and then oh, yeah, photographers. Right. I that's an, I don't want to get married no, in that no, context. No, no. I want to get married with my family. Right. In Italy, right. when it's legal and it's not a big deal. The nice thing about a destination wedding is you can easily reduce the number of people you can invite. <laughs> yeah, it was a very small wedding. It was only 47 people. Yeah, we got married with 35. Nice. And it wasn't it, isn't it yeah, great? It's wonderful. The nice thing about an Italian wedding or a, any Italian trip is that everything is so delicious there. <laughs> yes. I know. And what, where was Tuscany? Just Perugia. Yeah. The mountains. Beautiful. You know, one of the things that um, I've noticed, because we've been married 40 years. Do you count from the day that you started dating or from your, from from your wedding? No, date? we're counting from the day we got married. We met three years before then. Three years before, yes. But we knew immediately. I mean, we, we fell in love. We went, we went to dinner, we went to bed, and that was it. That was it. Amazing. <laughs> kind of the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what was, because we're gay, we count from the day of our first date. Sure, because... You and then you add 10 years, like right. a dog. Right. You know? But so in, gay, how, in gay years, we've got 150 years, years yeah. we've oh, been together. Really. So how, how did you meet? David got a, a very coveted role of Tulsa uh, in Gypsy uh -huh. that was starring Bernadette Peters and directed by Sam Mendes. Wow. And it was, uh, it was a role that every young male actor from the ages of 18 to 30. It was like a 30. year and a half that they tried to find this person. We're trying oh, to really? get. So David yeah. got this coveted role of, of Tulsa and the dainty June in that show is a girl named uh, Kate Rinders. And I knew Kate Rinders from LA. And so I was walking down the street. I was doing another show on Broadway. I was the MC in Cabaret. And the, I was walking down the street and I saw Kate. We were passed by each other and I said hello. And she was with this very studly dancer guy in a leather jacket with, with like amazing hair and I just thought that she had a boyfriend that was really hot <laughs> I told her that I said who's the guy that you're dating she said David oh no he's totally gay and I said really <laughs> <laughs> and then I started stalking him oh that's great so how did you what happened we had similar schedules because we yeah. were both doing shows although and different yeah shows. we would and he would show up at different places Kate would say, oh, we're going to this place tonight. And then Neil would be there at the I'm bar. Like, what is going on? This guy is... This and guy were you, were you looking at him too? No, I had a boyfriend at the time and things weren't going so well. And then we finally broke up and then I gave this guy a, 
a, a date. I was like, I was circling chance. like some sort of <laughs> like a vulture, vulture waiting for. <laughs> but the when prey. I when I met him first, met him, he looked very strange. He had jet black hair, and he had he was very white and blue blue eyes. So he didn't necessarily look like Neil. So I mean, he was still handsome, but it wasn't like true. I was in the character because the MC was. Oh, Weimar course. Germany. So my armpits were were dyed black. Oh, my hair was dyed black. My eyebrows were dyed oh, black. Wow. So I and my my skin color is pretty pale. Right. So I looked like a vampire a bit. Right. But then I had you come with Kate to see the show. Yeah. And that was a very sexy version of Cabaret, if you remember. Yeah. yeah. Alan Cumming did it originally right. with, with Natasha Richardson. Right. And it's walking around and sitting in people's laps in the audience and making out with the cast members. Was that and a so, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. I played the whole show to him. I bet you, you did. did. And look where I got her. That's it. <laughs> you got yourself a mate. <laughs> so then it started. And then it started, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we lived in New York for a couple of months, and then we made the move to Los Angeles, and it was nine years in L.A. Isn't it? Well, and when did you... Isn't it amazing, though, because I'm, now that I'm thinking about this, we talk about being in the same industry and how that had its complications, but I don't think we would have connected in otherwise because we both had the same schedule so we would all be hanging out at the same times right. post show mm -hmm. 10 o'clock right. everyone would be out having drinks so it's easy to connect right. then right and we had all day just to go bike riding and do stuff in central park and hang yeah. out during the day because we didn't have to work till the night time right and then we got to see each other in our shows so you know we got that's to, always a turn on yeah that was a turn on talent is a turn on We'll have more after a quick break. We're back to Marlowe's interview with Neil Patrick Harris and David Burka. With two hot guys in one marriage, I wanted to know if either of them was the jealous type. Hmm. Uh, Probably I you think more me. than me. I think me. I can have a bit of jealousy streak in my body. I get very protective if guys are, you know, m trying to make a move on him or... Rarely. You know, please. <laughs> there, we know couples that have open relationships. I would just be worried all the time. Like, well, who is he with? And what am I not doing? And who, why can't I, you know, am I not good enough? And, and I, so I'd go crazy. If there was an open relationship, I'd get you know, hire a private detective, and I'd figure out where he's going. Are you Sicilian? <laughs> no, I'm Polish. Um, but I think that I would, you know, tap his phone. Right. It would be hard for me. Was that a discussion? When we started dating, our sex life was so strong, and it maintained itself that for like three years. It was for just, long enough was, that it that. That the idea of of opening up the relationship, we spent all of our time together all the time. Right. So it wasn't a, a relationship of convenience. Mm -hmm. When gay guys weren't able to be out publicly and stand so tall and be so proud of who they were, they had to pretend that they were someone else. And therefore, promiscuity was understood because they weren't tell, able to tell anyone and they were they were having sex on the sly right but now it's there's a normalization to it and i think now in the same way guys would cheat on each other if they're two guys there's still an old adage that 
a guy that has a wife has a piece on the side right, or a mistress or yeah. I mean I think historically that's I don't think that that's unique to two gentlemen. No, no. Well, it's a lot of the loop though too. I mean I don't know there's the grinder and gruff and bumble and all that's these true. We're we don't old. I don't I mean so many people are on these apps and they're that's very swiping true. left or right I don't know what it even that's is. That's true. But you know Marlo we started dating before any of that stuff. We missed that whole generation. Right. It's a whole different thing like no, But when you're with somebody who's well known there's a that's an aphrodisiac of its own. So people hmm. come on to you hmm. because you're you know, you're somebody famous, and that's exciting. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. And there's also mm. there's also a bit of me being an actor and, and also having the jealousy of, hey, well, what about me? Because mm -hmm. he gets a lot of attention, a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm here too. You know, that not, not giving you the eye contact or, like, brushing you aside or, oh, you're nice too. This is what Trudy and Sting talked about. That mm. everybody, oh, yeah. If they all talk about that. So how do you deal with that? What do you, what do, you do? Do you demand something more from him? How does that work? Because that's true in every field. If you're the CEO of a company, mm -hmm. you're going to get all the attention and the spouses. Sometimes I feel like I say behind every great man is a great partner, is a great mate. And then, you know, I should feel happy and honored that he's sharing his time with me. And then other times I'm super upset and annoyed. And I sort of just stomp my feet and say, hey, you know, I need some attention here. And then what do you do when he does that? I give him attention. <laughs> That's easy. It was also even more challenging both being actors. And so I think it sometimes is, is more, the emotion's more on the sleeve because mm -hmm. I'm sharing with him good news of some job opportunity uh -huh. in the same field that he wishes the opportunity was his own. Mm -hmm. And that's understandable. And we're um, two guys. Yes, and we're the same sex, which, which, which amplifies it as well. You know, I was working as an actor in New York for a really long time, and we decided to move to Los Angeles when Neil got a show in L.A. called How I Met Your Mother. And I wasn't having the best of time in L.A., but we stuck it out because he was doing a job there. So, um, you know, you make choices to be with the person that you love. That was sort of the main thing, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I think our, our... Taking a taking a backseat to my career a, a bit. Yeah, it's such a weird industry as, as, as actors because you're only kind of as good as your next random job that you get. There's no job security in acting. You can be on a television show for seven years, and then when the show's canceled, you're just auditioning again. It's okay. not like you have tenure. Right. And so it's a little bit complicated. But David has additional skill sets beyond acting. And so one of the things that came from a tenure in Los Angeles is that you find other things that you can do that don't require someone to tell you that you got the job. Mm -hmm. And David went to La Cordon yeah, Bleu my mom, cooking my aunt, school. My mom ended up dying and it was fast. It was a fast 20 days in the hospital, leukemia. And I just thought I can't be in Los Angeles and be depressed and go out for auditions that I didn't want to do anyway. Right. And so I, I went to La Cordon Bleu and became a chef That's and uh, just started working right away. And then when did the kids come? Eight you got year? together in what year? What We've year? been fifth together 15, they're eight now. Right. So that would be uh, six. Seven. Six. Seven. Okay. It was recently after my mom died 
11 years ago, we looked at each other and said, life's too short. We got to have kids now. Because my mom really wanted just kids and yeah. she wanted grandkids. And so we thought, you know, we can't wait anymore. Let's just start the process of having a surrogate and egg donors. Having kids is a real game changer. And when you're two guys, you don't accidentally get pregnant as much as we tried. Right. So we, you know, that's not really an option unless you make it an actuality. Mm -hmm. I'm on a TV show, so we're making nice money. And so let's do it. One of the things I believe the strongest is that when same-sex couples want to have kids, it's because they've really thought it through because mm -hmm. you can't accidentally do it. I'm, right. I, I said that in jest, but there's a lot of truth to that. And so therefore, when we have kids, we're ready for it. We didn't yeah. just go, oh, no, what's happening? Are we, so, are we going to do this? It's funny when people think that gay people shouldn't have kids. I mean, they have to go through so many hoops. And, yeah. and right. someone who's really thought about so, having kids and someone who right. really takes the time to do it. So... What did that do to the love nest? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was rough. It was rough. And I have to say, for the first five years, I wasn't sure it was going to work out. <laughs> I, I thought that we were with really rocky roads. Like, I didn't know if I could be a dad and be a husband at the same time. It pulled us apart. It, and yet it, brought us to, it brings you together. Yes. Because yes. you're having to do things. Once you have kids, you, it's much harder to just say, that's it, I'm out. <laughs> and yet, you also have no time to say, let's stay up all night and drink and watch, have sex together. Watch TV connect. for till four o'clock in the morning. All you want to do is get a little bit of rest. <laughs> and how do you stay romantic and find that time when you have little children? I'd like to know. <laughs> That's we, it. I'd like to read your book and find out. We make we make concerted efforts to no, we do. connect. We'll have date nights. Date nights or staycays, or we try to go on vacation together, parlay a couple of days or one or two days before or after if we're traveling for business. And afternoon sex is underrated. <laughs> when the kids are not home from school yet, yeah. hurry up. If you, if you You've got 10 in, minutes. If you're waiting until everyone goes to sleep to have sex, you're, you're going to be asleep yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're all so excited during the day. Yeah. You know, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. Tonight, your oh. world is going to be rocked. Oh, babe, Cut to uh, no snoring. Way. This is not happening. I just want to go to sleep. This is just, this is parenthood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think for those that are looking to get married, if if you're if you're coming at it with the rigidity of what we have right now, we want to maintain this feeling that we have right now. It doesn't stay that way. Yeah. Because right. when you have sex with the same person over and over, it gets redundant. Right. And then you can try different things, sort of, but then it it changes, and then you don't like each other, and suddenly you're not attracted to them and then you have to figure out how to be reattracted to them but in a different way because you you're aging mm -hmm. and then you have to then you suddenly you're in love with like their soul more than their body but then you get in love with their body again i mean it just it's more it's it morphs and mm -hmm. i think i think acknowledging that is is tenuous mm -hmm. and kind of dangerous because what does that mean but in a weird way we keep falling in love with each other in different ways over and over. Yeah. And I think that keeps our sex life alive because it's not just, we're not trying to continue to do what we did mm -hmm. and then it's not going well. Why? What's happening? Oh, it doesn't, there's no connection. We're, we're, try we're trying to do it, but it's not working, so I'm out. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like some people do that. Mm -hmm. 
what I've noticed in my friends, on our friends, some people don't know how to come back from a bad situation, whether it's infidelity or a fight or whatever. Either they don't know how to talk mm. to each other or they're so, their anger is so uh, immense or they withhold. So how do you fight? I think we just blurt out what we have to say and we say it. Uh-huh. There's a good thing and there's a bad part about that too. But we don't hold anything in. Mm-hmm. We're actors too, so we can read your face. Like if there's something wrong with him, I know immediately right. Right. what's going on. If you don't communicate, you're going to build up assumptions and you're going to have resentments. And, and I think that's more corrosive than anything. So the lines of communication sh- deserve to be open. Will they be fiery and messy? Mm-hmm. Of course. But we've seen couples that pretend that everything's fine when it's not. Right. And then it feels like it becomes this chasm exists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's so much unsaid that when it gets so bad, there's so much to say yeah, yeah. that you don't even know where to begin. Yeah, so no. we see a couples counselor and have done so weekly for most of our entire time together for like 10, why, 10 of our you, 15 years. Why did you do that? That's, that's Some great to know. Friends of ours said you should, you should see a couple's counselor together before anything's wrong really? <laughs> so that you develop skills to communicate and develop ways to be honest around each other before it's bad so that the idea of going to see a therapist together isn't because it's a last resort. Mm-hmm. We go and see a therapist and we talk about all kinds of stuff. That's been really helpful because we know that for that hour or two hours that we're meeting him, we're there to work. It's a it's work session. It's so good to take a moment. If you're in conflict, just like, go to your corners for a minute. You're not in the headspace to say, you know what, I'm overreacting, you're right. Is there something that you've noticed about yourself or about him that has changed? Oh, yeah. For the last three years, I've been sober, so I don't drink any alcohol, so that's helped a lot. Because that sort of not only made me more depressed, but it also made me more heightened to want to start a fight or be more right or be more headstrong. Mm -hmm. So that's been a big change. Did you do that because Neil asked you to? No. No, there's some substance abuse in my family, and I think that I owed it to myself and I owed it to my kids. It's one of the things I'm just deeply proud about David is his determination to do that. It's a very hard, uh, complicated decision. Yeah. But it never got to the point where I was, I was in jail or that no. I harmed anyone or Agreed. harmed myself. Agreed. My bottom was not bad, but it was bad enough that I needed to change. I could persevere anything and I would still be with him. He's an amazing parent. And I think what makes uh, what makes me love David is the depth of flavor, is the of the 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 amount of roots that have been planted. Well, you can't control where they go, and that's why it's fun because it's always changing, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we we realize that we did do make certain decisions about things to change. I, I I learned that I wasn't a very good listener and that when Phil had a problem, and it took about 10 years, and one day he was telling me something that was very troublesome for him, and he stopped in the middle and he said, and please don't say anything. Don't tell me anything. And the thing that bothered him is that I'm a fixer. So if somebody gives me a problem, I'm, I'm going for the phone. So uh, 
I had to learn. I know I can do this, but this isn't the way to do this with, with another person. Good point. I'm not, you know. Yeah. And he, one day he said to me, stop producing me. I can do it. And it was big. I think in a relationship, we could all afford to just go with the flow a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. If you miss the flight and if the other person's to blame, there's no need to blame them. Here you are, you missed the flight. Now you can stay at the airport for a couple more hours. <laughs> we spent a lot of time in our relationship coming up with individual expectations of how the party's going to go, how the vacation's going to go, how tonight's going to go, how, how that phone call's going to go. And it's rarely met. And, and you can be bothered by being inaccurate in your expectations, or you can just go with the new outcome. <laughs> no, I think expectations is huge. What do you see that makes a marriage last? And maybe it's just the expectation thing, which is really better said than anybody has said. Laughter. I was going to say laughter the same. Oh, my God. I really was. You really are, It really is. I think that that's part of the reason. One of the main reasons we've stayed together because we just make each other laugh all the time. He makes me laugh so much. And vice versa. And that's Neil Patrick Harris and his husband, David Burka. I sure wish I'd been there for that. I do, too. You would have loved them. Until next time, I'm Marlo Thomas. And I'm Phil Donahue. It doesn't even have to be the same. Winston Churchill said, every time you make someone laugh, you give them a mini vacation. And I just always loved that. That's great. (laughs) Um, No, this was great. Oh, fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you for including us. Double Date is a production of Pushkin Industries. The show was created by us and produced by Sarah Lilly. Michael Bahari is associate producer. Musical adaptations of It Had to Be You by Stellwagen Symphonette. Marlo and I are executive producers, along with Mia Lobel and Lital Molad from Pushkin. Special thanks to Jacob Weisberg, Malcolm Gladwell, Heather Fain, John Schnars, Carly Migliori, Eric Sandler, Emily Rostek, Jason Gambrell, Paul Williams, and Bruce Kluger. If you like our show, please remember to share, rate, and review. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed hearing from Neil and David, you can listen to more Double Date episodes at podcast.pushkin.fm slash bad examples. P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S dot P-U-S-H-K-I-N dot F-M slash bad examples.